Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, we are the Black Women Working Podcast, and we are taking over the Dope Black Women Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really, really excited to be here. But before we kick off, I thought it was only right and polite to introduce ourselves properly. So ladies, could you please introduce yourselves? Hello guys, my name is Tolu, aka Tolls, and my profession is project management. Shan? I'm going to go with my standard intro. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening, it is Chantel here. Um, I'm really happy to be here. I am an ex-teacher. I've just left the profession this month. Um, I don't think I have a clearly defined title, but I currently create content for a financial literacy charity associated with the Financial Times. Oh, lovely. And I am Natalie. I am a commercial real estate lawyer working in the city and we are the black women working podcast for all of you that don't know now just to sum up quickly before we get into our topic for today our mission is to create a movement which seeks to center black women's stories and experiences and overall discussions about diversity and equality at work in the uk um our main focus is to provide a safe space for black women we want to create a place where we can speak openly about our experiences of working life in the UK, but we also want to provide support, advice and aspiration to other Black women. And our main aim is to encourage Black women to share their success stories, share how they've overcome the obstacles in their career, as well as discuss institutional racism, aka Babylon, and other structural issues in organisations and companies in the UK. Now, if you like what you hear, which I'm hoping you will, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our social media handles are BWW, geez, BWW Podcast UK. Shan, is that right? Because I always get this wrong. I know, I know. Babes, you're doing well. Keep I'm going. I'm doing well. Okay. We're Let me all... uplift you. <laughs> Thank you for the support, <laughs> sis. We're I all... won't. You should know it by now. <laughs> Do you know what? You know what? I'm going to find an opportunity. I'm going to mm. remind you of the grace that you didn't show me today in this mm-hmm. one here episode. Okay. But going back to the point, we are also on LinkedIn and you will find our page if you search Black Women Working. We also have a website, which is www.blackwomenworking.co.uk. Um, that has all of our episodes, um, a little bit about us, our mission statement and um, some blogs as well that we've done. Okay, now enough of that. We're actually here to talk 
about a subject that is really, really close to my heart. It is the subject of being a pet and going from pet to threat in the workplace. Now, before I go off on my personal monologue story, Tolls, do you want to tell the listeners what you think pet to threat is? Or Shan, maybe you can decide. When you are a pet in the workplace, what it means is that when you come in, people lay their hands on your head and they pat it. <laughs> and, and they say, there, there. <laughs> that is the pet in the workplace. No, let me be serious. No, no, touch my head. Guys, 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 guys. guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Focus, sorry. Focus, focus. Every day a song. What do I understand it to be? Mm, it's interesting because I think you guys introduced me to this concept and I'm still kind of working out what it means, but in, in a concise um fashion, I think it kind of means when you are in favour in your workplace and then suddenly you become the thing or not the thing, but the object of people's uh malignancy, I'd say, and vindictiveness. What does malignancy mean? Oh my gosh, word like, of the day. <laughs> um it's kind of almost the same thing as vindictiveness so some when mm. someone's being malignant they're deliberately doing things to like um, almost uh not torture but disturb you in a way that's being negative basically mm. in a really mm. toxic way yeah no I hear you I think that is a really good way to do, to discuss pets of threat and I'm glad you you mentioned that we kind of introduced you to it because it's not really spoken about I was going to say talked about but spoken about enough I feel when black women are talking about their experiences at work now let me just chip in I think one of the reasons that this topic isn't spoken about is because it's so closely aligned to what we spoke about in our very first episode in terms of microaggressions so the actions are not necessarily explicitly discriminatory Mm. they're quite subtle and have us questioning ourselves yeah I absolutely absolutely agree um I think I it's definitely played a role in my personal career and it's been so impactful on me, you know, being one minute being a pet, next minute being a threat. Um, actually, the reason that we I actually put the call out to start the podcast to talk to people about their experiences is because I had gone from pet to threat in my current workplace and I wasn't going down without a fight. Um, and I think really pet to threat, even though we don't speak about it because you said, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's discreet, but sometimes it can just be like in your head, like we've acknowledged. But I've been doing a lot of research into it. And it's one of the clear ways that racist behaviours by leaders and organisations prevent black women from progressing in the workplace. And when I say leaders, I don't mean like the CEO, the CFO. I'm talking about your middle management. I'm talking about your your line manager. It's actually one of the main barriers um, to our success. And I mean, the way that I've personally dealt with pet to fret, and we'll talk about it later, more detail is I've kind of like moved roles because I'm like I feel like once you go from pet to threat there is no way turning back do you know what I mean like you're not the favorite anymore if we are where we are with that and it's getting a bit techie so you might as well leave but that only works um in certain situations because in certain industries especially my industry there's only so many moves you can make before people are looking at you like you're the problem so one of the main re- the reason I just kind of discovered Pet to Fret was because Erica Stallings published a really detailed article um, on this, calling it Pet to Fret. And she said, first your boss loves you, then they dislike you. And I think this is really common for black women, but I just want to check that because anyone ever really experienced, aside from me, Pet to Fret in their careers? 
Mm, I wouldn't say in terms of the parameters that you just mentioned in that quote. Um, yeah, I feel extremely, extremely fortunate, I think, actually, uh, as a black woman in the workplace to not really have experienced many negative um had many negative experiences and if they were negative they were negative from the start <laughs> as opposed to lulling me into a false sense of security exactly yeah yeah so in the context of that particular quote no I think I have twice over twice I think detail yeah yeah I think I've experienced it twice in the first workplace it manifested as um micromanagement and in the second workplace it manifested as a lack of investment I was like left to my own devices requests I made about my career progression my appraisal process all trash trashy that's oh. good I'm glad you brought sorry Tolls I was just about to say I'm glad you brought mm. those two things up because mm-hmm. those are two points I wanted to discuss but anyway Tolls apologies for interrupting no that's fine because literally one of the things Shan just said which I know you're probably going to touch upon next was that lack of investment from that perspective um yeah because I was answering the question explicitly with regards to that quote but yeah I would say in in terms of lack of uh, investment I've experienced that as well oh dear (laughs) I'm joking oh no oh no 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 okay, so <laughs> i couldn't help it sorry we we have this thing with toggles where every episode of she she doesn't exercise her vocal cords and sing a song <laughs> and we really recorded a black woman working yeah. episode she is clearly 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 sticking to the status quo here so mm-hmm. the first thing i really wanted to discuss and this is something i i've really seen is backwards demotion so it's really about like how being like but not invested in can hamper your career. So, for example, like you kind of um, shined light on Chan, like not getting the right opportunities, not being challenged. And for me, the thing that really worried me is um, just as a lawyer, your experience is measured by how many years you've been practicing. So at five years, it's, and I'm sure it's for, for teachers, for any kind of professional practice like that. Any A certain level of experience, people are expecting you to be at a certain level. And when you are go from pet to threat and you're not being challenged it is like a backwards well I would it is effectively like a demotion because if you're not being challenged you're not being stretched you're not developing at the same level as your peers which then makes it one harder for you to move but two then begins to justify um kind of the micromanagement or the delays on further progression in career and things like that um where you've experienced this like how how have you dealt with it I mean, as you said in the beginning, once you go from pet to threat, there's only one way to get out. I mean, I had deliberately for my well-being and a number of circumstances surrounding it taken a step down um, in terms of title in this particular workplace. And there's an, uh, there's an overlapping issue because it also um, pertains to when I returned from maternity leave. And when I addressed with my head teacher and said, look, you've got me in this school for X hours a day and my skill is not being utilised or my line manager is not um, giving me direction, I was told you are someone who is perceived to be um, at the level of or ready to be a senior leader in terms of my years in career and my skill and experience. Why do you need to be told what to do? Now, I know that example is really um specific to my to my circumstance Mm -hmm. but my point at that point in time was 
But I'm not currently a senior leader. I'm not currently a middle leader. I have stepped down. And so the person who is in charge of me has a responsibility to be guiding me, to be telling me what to do. Of course, I can lead myself. I've run departments. I've done her job 10 times over. But the point was, you know what to do. Get on with it. So I said, all right, get on with it. Bye. Well, I think for me, I've I've definitely, I've definitely experienced it in the sense of, you know, you're just getting picked for the same type of work again and again and again. And it's like, well, how many times can I do the same thing? I need to, I need to show development. And the way that I got around it was one also by leaving my workplace. But second of all, I think I was very much going into my current workplace. Now I've nearly been for four years with my eyes open. And one of the things that I made sure that I did was I thought about what level I wanted to be at what I needed to achieve and what I needed to be doing and it was always subject for me personally to like continuous review sorry I just got so passionate I hit the microphone continuous review to the point where it was like I was saying I need to do this and I need to have done this and I need to have done that because I knew that they might be interested and I might be like a shiny new toy when I join and then everyone be patting their back because you know we've hired a black women and there aren't that many you know black women senior associates da, 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 da. but I needed to make sure that that same energy in terms of my progression remained so I had to then begin to upward manage and be like it's not just a case of I want more challenging work it's like I need to do this type of deal so when this type of deal comes in I need it and if I don't get it, I need to be told why. And it's something I still do to this day. So I'm looking at what I'm what working on, the value, da, 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 complexity. And like, it was funny because I'm doing a deal now and it's kicking my bum. And my boss was like, well, you wanted more complex work. Ha, ha, ha. But in a way, I am happy because I feel good about the fact that I said, this is what I need. And I made sure I got it. And then I think it was clear to them that if I don't get it and there's no reason for me getting it, it was going to be deuces. See, I was going to raise the point there, like, I, in self-reflecting, because, you know, when a situation occurs, you have to look inwards as well as outwards. And I wonder sometimes if, you know, the whole black excellence, the whole over, sometimes overperforming, I know we're going to cover it in our new season, being overqualified is, I'm going to say something, attack me. Do we put ourselves in sometimes in a position to become threat because we start doing more than? So in terms of my personal experience um, of this, I'm, I've experienced it from the position of being um, not invested in, as mentioned before, um, where literally just quite uh, quickly into when I got the new role, I had more responsibilities then I entered with because the person mm. who was senior to me was made redundant or exited or given gardening, whatever it was. So I had a huge amount of pressure on me, which I rose to the occasion, can I just say. <laughs> and then that was not recognised in any tangible way. And by tangible, I mean, give me my money. Um, <laughs> for a long time, even though my title changed, but the money did not come. And when the money came, it was peanuts. And I didn't feel empowered as I do then, as I do mm. now, to even be like, no, you guys are actually taking a mickey. And what I realised, because I was there for quite a long time, actually, I liked the environment, I liked the people, but actually I was stagnant for so long. There was no other place or direction um, for me to go in. 
and what that meant meant is my career was not developing yet I would see my peers you know mm-hmm. move to different job titles mm-hmm. increasing their pay new people coming in and being on more pay when I know I'm working harder than them yep. and yep. that became quite discouraging and it got to the point where I literally would come into work and I'd watch Netflix I'm gonna be real here <laughs> like that was my day-to-day for like a year because I was not being challenged I was literally just being used for the ad hoc um things in the business like literally when it came to it there was no justifiable reason as to why I was still there and I think like I don't know the favor of the lord was upon me and the fact that they didn't I don't know make me redundant at that time or whatever COVID did that and um but yeah it's taken reflection and going back on it now to realize that you know I was stagnant for a long time I did talk about it with my line manager and bless her socks she really did do her best to try and advocate for advancement and skills development but the rest of the company was just like me and she was pushing hard but it was just like meh energy yeah I mean for me personally I, I'm just kind of always of the view that it's something that you you really have to take control over and I mean I feel like anyone who starts a new job to an extent we're always trying to do the most because we're on a probation period right and we do want to put our best foot forward nine times out of ten when starting a new job you're excited you want to learn you want to go in there you want to just be shown how good you are they made the right decision hiring you so ultimately you will really try to be a people pleaser within within respectful boundaries of course but the idea that by working hard and by going above and beyond you can become a threat I do see it in the sense of you know when a new person joins a team and they're like doing the most and not in the terms of like getting things done, they're doing the most in terms of just being annoying. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that I'm going to then try and derail their whole career. I'm just going to be like, mm. this person's new. They're just trying to show and put their best foot forward. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that now I'm going to have to be like, oh, you know, it's the end of the road. I'm going to now try and not get them promoted or whatnot. I'm just going to be like, yeah, that person is annoying. And sometimes you don't even have to be doing the most. Sometimes they're just threatened by the presence of your efficiency uh, compared to their um, quite blatant inefficiency. Like if you're getting onto things or getting on with things in a better way, if you're adapted better than they are, taken to task better than they are, some people can feel threatened by that as opposed to, for me, if I saw something like that, that's the person that I can learn from. And mm. I really believe in teamwork so much. Iron sharpens iron, like, especially in the context where I am now, it's so critical and key for us in really high pressure situations where there's a high volume of work and there's a high volume of deliverables and not just in terms of the product of the work but in terms of Mm. this needs to be sent to the client this person needs to be spoken with this Mm. resource needs to be but this timing plan needs to be done this budget it's like vroom 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 and if you don't have that team player mindset you think it's all about you or you just have a sense of kind of selfish ambition Mm. I will call it then you know that's when you can project that kind of attitude onto other people you work with and turn them into a threat. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing you did kind of mention, which I thought was really interesting, is the fact that your your very presence can threaten your teammates and superiors. And then, you know, we have a lot of episodes about how we can work authentically as Black women in the workplace, bringing the idea consciously of bringing your whole self to work. Ultimately, not your whole self, sorry, your whole self, my bad, your whole self to work. And so how how do we, how do you manage bringing your whole self to work if people are just intimidated by your presence simply because you are 
you are a black woman. And I, when I used to speak to my dad about it earlier on in my corporate career, my dad would always be like, well, you are going to threaten people because they're not used to seeing a black woman in your role. They're not used to seeing black women do what you do. And sometimes that led to me, you know, effectively trying to, to minimize myself in order to elongate my pet period. Um, but ultimately it, it doesn't work because your very existence, you can kind of shrink yourself as much as you want, but your very existence, um, it's pretty obvious I'm a black woman. I'm not racially ambiguous. Listen. So I just wonder like how do we how do we balance the two? Because it is it's it's out for lack of a better word, it's like a mind fuck in the same breath. You're trying to do a good job, but then you feel worried that doing a good job is gonna make you is gonna add to your hyper visibility and make mm. people resent your presence but you can't not do your job because if you don't do your job you're going to get fired I think wow. at this age wow. or stage that I am at I'm really of the viewpoint that it is not about managing and I think you should just turn up how you are mm. and not try to police yourself for the benefit of others mm. I think a lot of us have learned especially as we progress in our careers and as grown black adults that regardless of however much you bend over backwards some people are still going to have an issue with you so why not just be yourself mm. so I would suggest to anyone who's kind of struggling with that dynamic at the moment to just be yourself and see where the chips fall I mm. don't think you should compromise yourself in terms of who you are the way you approach work or even the way you show up to work in order to accommodate a um what's the word difficulties or difficulties or kind of uh issues that other people may have to you you're doing mm -hmm. yourself a disservice like mm -hmm. life is too short for that so basically we shouldn't bend ourselves to accommodate other people's perceptions or reactions to us no I absolutely agree because I feel like when you internalize somebody else's fears you're never going to be able to fully understand what's in someone else's head anyway so you're going to be trying to make moves based off of information you don't have, only based off assumptions. And either way, like you said, that person's still not going to be happy with you anyway. And what I found was really, really interesting about the kind of articles I read around Pets of Threat was just specifically on what people had said about timing and like when this happens. Because ultimately, one thing that we're not able to kind of drill down on is how long do you have your pet phase for? Me, I will try and long out the pet phase as long as possible. I don't want to assume going into a workplace that I'll go from pet to threat. But, you know, my experience has told me that, you know, you sit there and you think about, how is this really going to go down? So many different ways. But HR Drive had a really good article referring to the threat kicking in after the second year on the job, when most people have had a better handle on their skills and knowledge. And I think a lot of the conversations we've had before have been based on you know an assumption that you come in and you're a pet for like two weeks and then you're a threat whereas really you can have more of like a a pet period where you know you give one idea and everyone is just like wow wow that's such a good idea because they want you to like your new workplace again they guess they've made a total city higher um but ultimately after your second year on the job that's when you're really really getting good and that's when the threat actually starts to come, you know, to kick in. I mean, you, I know you haven't had the kind of strict um, experience of it in terms of being disliked, but when, when did you realize in your last job that you were, you were reaching that period where no one was really checking for your development? 
is this for me? Do you know what? It's so interesting. That quote is so disconcerting because for a lot of people, especially us as millennials, we're generally not even spending up to two years in jobs now. We're going after a year. So we don't even have that opportunity to kind of experience that change. And to think that it takes that long, that's mental. And it's something that I'm actually going to watch out for in the future. I'm telling so- you, it happened to me around about the two year. It happened to me around about the, the two year period as well. But the funny thing is, is that I had an external factor um, and the external factor was that um, an associate from another firm joined and she was like the complete opposite of me. So even physically, I'm short, she was tall, um, tick, she was skinny, <laughs> but um, she was opposite of me in the sense of she had gone to private school. She was very eloquent in a certain way, clearly come from a very type of traditional solicitor background that's the opposite of me um so when she came in I found that my progression into threat became accelerated Mm -hmm. simply because they had what they wanted they had someone who looked and sounded and seemed and and felt like what they wanted their lawyers to look and sound like and Mm -hmm. so they didn't technically even though the team needed support they didn't need me if that makes sense Mm -hmm. because I didn't they had someone who could do the work that I could do and still fit in the mold that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's when it started really going down for me. Really, really going down. So two, I think, two years is normally, I would say it's normally the period. Yeah, to answer your initial question, I think I started to notice it when um we had a transition period of our client moving to other providers um so there really wasn't that much work Mm. left to do there was other clients as well but it wasn't in comparison and it just seemed like nobody really cared what I was getting up to like when I tell you I would sit there the CEO Mm. would walk past me and I was my I was watching Netflix on my phone nobody gave a damn do you know what I mean so I think at the time I didn't recognize it as we are describing it today I just thought oh cool not having to really think about coming into work and still earning my salary but obviously I'm a lot more of a focused ambitious individual now and that's not acceptable to me so immediately yeah. I'm starting to notice like lows in my career I'm like excuse me hello like what can I do here what training mm. can I get you know mm. yeah because it just it just seemed interesting to me because it means you can start a new role and you can be, you can get comfortable. And then as at that point that you think, yeah, I've got this under control, I'm bossing it. Threat comes, claps your back head, back head, smashes your forehead on the desk. Sorry, dramatic. But the bottom line is, is you're chilling and you think that you've done what you needed to do. You've built your relationships and it's not enough. And I just, I just think, hey, when will we rest? Why is the pressure always getting worse? Like when, when will we rest? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's true. Like, I would say, ultimately, I feel like the first six months of a role is difficult anyway, building the relationships, working out the systems, understanding who to talk to. And then when you're finally, you know, you can put the car on self-drive, you finally have a bit of autonomy, you know, a finding a bit of grace and you can manage yourself and you can ask for certain allowances, such so on and so forth. That's when you now transform into this threat and then it's like you need to plan your exit but they do say like when you begin to feel more comfortable more confident and you can start to make more requests that's when they they're like "Eh?" it's like someone Mm. inviting you to their house for dinner and then they give you a dessert and you ask for a fork and it's like they fling the fork in your head 
Like, how are you gonna? <laughs> how are you gonna eat the dessert without the fork? It's very mad to me. But mm. I think my last point that I wanted to, to to make on it really was just to break down what pet sister actually means because a pet is a child, really. Like you pet, like you were saying at the beginning, you pet children on their head. Um, it's the idea, you know, that professionally black women are not equal. Mm. We're not equal to our colleagues. Um, and also we're not equal to our, our superiors, but within the hierarchy to an extent, I can understand that. And it's like, we're only going to get what we need where where we have technically behaved properly. And when we begin to challenge the status quo, when we begin to talk about things that we want for ourselves, for our progression, that's when we, we see issues. So like, it seems to me that we're at a disadvantage anyway even acknowledging pets a threat because it's just like we're starting from a place of we're only so good when we don't ask for anything we're only our position is only you know the fallacy of safety and security at work is a different topic for a different day but we're only mm. really safe with jazz hands or with what do you call those fingers you do when you uh, quote fingers quote, quote marks. fingers oh, sorry <laughs> quote marks we're only quote, unquote. safe uh-huh. We're only safe when we don't answer things, which is actually quite depressing. It's as <laughs> like, I don't know. Do you know what? With this particular topic, I'd be so interested to hear from any black woman who's kind of experienced this and how that kind of presented itself in their particular circumstance. Because I feel like I've actually read instances online, maybe like a Twitter thread or something, mm. where people have described specific instances they've gone through. And the microaggressions and the racism is just really glaring. Wild. But there's always that insidious part of like these kind of situations where it can be a bit more subtle. And so maybe like me, someone doesn't realise till like five or ten years down the line that they were actually in this situation and this position. And, you know, it can impact people in different ways. Some people, it can really knock their professional confidence. Some mm. people, it can take a, like a really serious mental health toll. Mm-hmm. I feel like for us, the experiences that we've taken um, spoken about it's something that was really challenging at the time but ultimately we've bounced back from it which kind of ties into the one of the topics that we have this season on emotional resilience is it emotional resilience yeah you know in resilience. the workplace yeah. so I mean it's a it's an interesting topic I feel that the words for it have only really been found recently I agree yeah and so the way it presents or the way people experience it in the future is going to be interesting to see no, in fact, that's that's terrible. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to hear that I know people are going through yeah. that experiences. Yeah. But I think having a label for it kind of is empowering in a sense because now you can identify and say this is what is going on here, as opposed to mm, it's really all in your head. Yeah, and I think that language in itself is one thing I did want to cover and kind of covered gently, but wanted to hammer home was just, you know, how do you protect your mental health? So specifically with like backwards demotion the way we see it happening in terms of people trusting you with work and stretching you you just kind of go to micromanagement and then you're undermined and then everything that you produce and give is over scrutinized and people are effectively searching for mistakes in your work rather than just checking your work just to check it so if you're in a situation it kind of creates this heightened angst that everything you do is going to be triple 
four times, 10 times checked and you don't have the grace of your superiors, it then, and this is from my personal experience, it does make you feel like you're not good at your job. It does make you feel like you're not competent. And even when you do go into a new workplace, you take those struggles with you. And one thing I had to do, but I appreciate not everyone has the you know, facilities to do this, the funds. I had to, between moving jobs from my last role to this role, get counselling just to address what had happened in my current role mm. and how I was going to, leave that experience there mm. and make sure that I didn't bring all that concern about being micromanaged that um I would say you know when you have a fear about something it kind of turns itself into like a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah in the sense of then it's like you think about it to the point where you you manifest it and it becomes mm-hmm. your reality and I had to really work and really be intentional um when transitioning workplace after going from pet to threat and being humiliated mm. and um being having to take the blame for other people's mistakes having my work over scrutinized having really critical horrible appraisals i i really had to to think about how it was going to be different this time around what was going to be different about it and how i was going to how i was going to be proactive to make sure it was different rather than to accept defeat um, mm-hmm. And I just think for me, it was interesting that once I began to stand up for myself and say, actually, no, I'm not having that. It was kind of, mm-hmm. you're angry, you're aggressive. And it's like, you really can't win. So I think the best way ultimately <clears throat> to protect yourself in your mental health in these pets of situations is like you say, to use the language that we're discussing to describe what is happening. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like once you can put words to a feeling, it doesn't mean the feeling goes away that you feel a lot more you feel like it's not all in your head and sometimes feeling like it's in your head or you're making it up or you're hypersensitive that internal battle of just you beating yourself up because you're not why can't you just get things right why can't you just do this when you have all of Babylon working against you of course it's going to be a struggle do you know what I mean yeah and I really relate to that in the sense of just experiencing the element of that in in different kind of contexts not necessarily a pet to threat Mm. but you know a work context which were just kind of awful and where you start to kind of second guess yourself and it's like you said you essentially have to try and start from a clean slate again because one of the things that I do think we fall into sometimes and people might not like me saying this is mm. we come into spaces with our preconceived notions absolutely of how absolutely. people will treat us and that it will be negative and like you said it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy so I do want us to be able to have um, the ability and the skill to step back and review situations um, holistically and not necessarily from the lens of having experienced issues and problems before because like you said if you take a certain mentality into things it can then manifest but if you try and approach things brand new each time who knows the experience might be different but that's not to dismiss or kind of to minimize real and tangible experiences this experiences of this that people are going through yeah it's just I mean it's just one of it's just one of the many issues that I feel like having open dialogue about our lived experience is important and I remember with that Erica Starling's um, article and that thread that she had on Twitter one of the main responses from other black women was like this happened to me I just didn't know what to call it mm-hmm. this happened to me I just didn't know what to call it so I'm hoping that as a bare minimum um, the black women that are listening can listen with a view to having that new that kind of new language to discuss what's happened to them and I felt like very similar when I 
found out about the terms microaggressions mm-hmm, and gaslighting. Exactly, exactly. I feel like a li- like I do f- I felt like a a weight was lifted off my shoulders and a weight lifted off my brain as well because it's like yeah it's not mm-hmm. all in your head but I mean just to summarize again I do feel like sometimes when we talk about therapy or we talk about counseling we assume that therapy and counseling is just reserved for your personal life mm-hmm. but there are things that are happening in your professional life that can really negatively impact your personal life um and your co- your overall confidence and your view of yourself and that can if it's not managed or understood or we don't have language to discuss what's happening like this it can lead to you know that attitude or that feeling or that disappointment really seeping through into mm-hmm. all other areas of your of your identity and your personal life and the knock-on effects of that are ultimately that you're not going to be able to do your best job because your mental health is not going to be where it needs to be. And I, and I think so, we've come to... Oh, sorry, go on. What were you going to say? Oh, Tom? no, I was literally going to say, so what What do you think we can suggest to the people, them, women, them, yeah. listening in terms of how they manage uh, encountering this situation or even proactively what they should do? Do you know what I mean? What's the word? Kind of not prepare for in- encountering a situation, but mm-hmm. be aware that they could potentially face it. I think just listening to the podcast and understanding that pet threat is a real thing and it's not all in your head is is a very, very good first step. I would also say where you feel that you've moved into a threat and you've experienced like things that we're talking about, like backwards, backwards motion, moving in your career, being restricted and missing out opportunities. I think what really helps is to be really specific about what you are expecting. Um, when I became specific about what I believed I should have been doing at my level, it gave me a very clear yardstick to measure myself rather than kind of that person's getting to do this work. Why am I not doing this work? And that person's getting to do this. Why am I not doing this? Like I say, actually, no, I should be doing X, Y, and Z. And what I'm doing is 10 times miles away from what someone at my level needs to be doing. And I feel like when you have that, you can arm yourself um in in conversations about your development and about what you're doing and then ultimately I think you always need to have a plan b one step in the door one step out the door mm-hmm. always be looking on LinkedIn always be in the market the market mm-hmm. is active the market is hot don't because you're liked become comfortable in a workplace mm-hmm. because if your workplace only like you when you don't ask for anything they don't really like you and if they're not willing to develop you and do what they need to do to make sure you're progressing and you keep going, then they're not a good workplace. I would rather my boss doesn't like me, but challenges me and I still learn and I still grow and I still get stretched than have a boss that, boss that wants to take me for lunch every day, buy me gifts, but I'm actually getting dumber as time goes on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I hear you. I mean, I don't really have much to add on to that aside from it's not every hill you need to die on. So Absolutely feel- not like your experience in the situation is mad negative get the hell out of there it's not everything that you need to fight and I know like sometimes that's intrinsically a part of how we kind of address situations as black women mm. nah, don't come and kill yourself just move on and make sure you have a safe space in which to kind of discuss these things whether it's friends uh family old colleagues whatever it is just somewhere to offload it, it, even a therapist or counselor as Natalie has said and keep it pushing honestly mm. I'm all for it not every day just like you know going to walk yeah no no yeah, yeah. And uh, and then also Shan has said she's having technical difficulties. She said, keep your receipts. That is the number one piece of advice. 
we always mm-hmm. give and you should always be keeping receipts you know as a hobby simply because <laughs> you never know when people are going to try and pull up and do a madness and you better you better be ready with those receipts to fire back and also stick to the facts not feelings like I was saying your boss mm-hmm. liking you your team liking you whatever the hell that means that's all feelings it's not facts are really about progression pay um wow that's really cold like way of looking at it i'm Mm. a bit of a different perspective but i also mean i want i want to be liked i can't lie to you i want to i i want to be i want to be liked. i want to be in a workplace where i'm liked, where i can band with people and where i feel respected but ultimately i've been in a situation where everybody liking me and thinking i've got a great personality but not respecting me as a lawyer has led to me becoming dumb in my workplace mm-hmm. only god's grace that i've got this work this new workplace where i've managed to strike a balance between getting on with the people that i work with but also being able and confident to have those conversations mm-hmm. through the right channels of course i'm not running up on people and you know busting shots seven thirty, give me this give me that but i feel like i'm in a in a place where i can say actually i need more and the fact that i say i need more is welcomed mm-hmm. and it's not seen as oh she's trying to same I feel like I have that experience where I am and they they be giving me more shot (laughs) (laughs) see now you got they're giving you too much but you know what too much but they trust me as someone that can rise to the challenge now I mean time will tell if that's a good or a bad thing I made it up actually I can't lie to you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think that's it isn't it yeah all right well I think this has been a really good conversation I'm so glad that we've got a chance to discuss this I've been asking to discuss this since 2020 um and so it was only fitting for us to discuss it on our dope like women take over um thank you so much for listening as we always say on our episodes please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to help us get the word out and remember we can always keep this conversation going on social media using the hashtag bww podcast uk hashtag um if you want to at us on twitter or instagram it's at bww podcast uk we love to hear from you so please email us or dm us if you've got any suggestions for topics that you want us to cover or any points that you want to discuss with us um, and our email address is blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com and if you like what you heard please like and subscribe and um, please engage with us on social media and follow us on LinkedIn we really really love to hear from you I'm really really excited to hear what dope black women think of this episode mm-hmm. and that is it for now so I'd one like more say, thing oh gosh uh, we have a website as well guys www.blackwomenworking.com sorry I'm not going to get through <laughs> one episode where I get all the contact details correct this is your particular flaw hey, hey. <laughs> it's a flaw it's a big gaping hole in my mm. forehead at this point but don't worry <laughs> the lord is still working on me but yes we have got a website um as I mentioned at the beginning and we'd love you to go on there it has all our episodes our different formats of episodes things we've been talking about and it'd be great if you gave us a good look and I think that's it from us so I'm gonna mm-hmm. say bye Tolls, you wanna say bye adios and ciao sh- Alvida's in bye bye bye, bye. <laughs> and you actually bye 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 how bye. did I know <laughs> how did I know <laughs> how did I know how did I know but thank you so much for listening and we hope that you like subscribe and become one of our listeners thank you very much the black women working podcast bye bye